What up, what up, what up, friends? And thank you for tuning in to the premiere episode of this journey called the Ball and Buds Podcast. I am your host, Omar Fonseca, and today we will be honoring the life and career of hammering Hank Aaron, one of America's greatest athletes. And we will also be discussing how racism and race relations from the 50s to the 70s still relates to exactly what we are dealing with in the world today in 2021. Anyways, let's kick this bad boy off. Rest in power to a legendary human being. The baseball world and the world at large lost a huge heart, a humble giant, and an icon. An individual that was able to put up the most amazing accolades and accomplishments while dealing with the most hateful, insensitive, bigotrous language, vile people just spewing racism. And to be so humble and stay focused on your craft is just legendary. And that's exactly what we lost. A legend who was able to produce during the most trying time. Born February 5th, 1934 in Mobile, Alabama, one of eight children to Herbert and Estella Aaron. His father was a shipyard worker whose mother stayed home taking care of the close family. He grew up in the heart of the segregated South. He was quoted as saying, When I was growing up in Mobile, Alabama, on a little dirt street, I remember my mother, about six or seven o'clock in the afternoon, you could hardly see, and I'd be trying to throw the baseball. And she'd yell, come here, come here. And I'd say, for what? And she'd say, get under the bed. The family would hide under the bed while the KKK would march by, burn a cross, and leave. Then his mother would say, you can come out now. Can you imagine what this would do to the average person? Here I am, a little boy, not doing anything, just catching a baseball with a friend of mine. Now, I didn't grow up in the segregated South. I didn't grow up between the 50s to the 70s. I was born in the 80s. But, being a brown man named Omar, I can tell you that I have dealt with my fair amount of racism in my life. Now, that I would never compare to what Mr. Aaron dealt with. But can you imagine trying to entertain all these people who hate your guts? They look at you and think that you're less than human. They speak to you as if you're not a human. All this, while all you're trying to do is play the game you love and entertain the same people that are trying to take away your joy. Well, not only did Hank Aaron deal with all that, but he prevailed. Chasing Ruth, dealing with being taunted daily, receiving death threats. It is reported that during the 1973 chase of Babe Ruth's home run record, Hank Aaron received 930,000 pieces of fan mail. The problem, the majority of that fan mail was hate mail. 
I have read some of these horrendous letters and it is abysmal. Death threats, nasty words, letters full of hate. It wasn't until word got out that he was getting so much hate mail that kids started to send in fan mail to lift his spirits. That's insane. Can you imagine? Now, he didn't read all of them. Obviously, the time to read all of them, and that would be way more hurtful than just the ones that he read. He did read some of them, and he always remembered what those people wrote to him, and he used it to fuel him to get that much better so that he could lift up his people and become an activist because of the racial inequalities that he dealt with himself. So, because of that, not only did he surpass Babe Ruth and become the home run king, hitting his 715th home run on April 8th, 1974, but he was a legend off the field as well, a philanthropist working to uplift the spirits of the black community, to show them that anything was possible, even in the face of massive hate and disgusting racist individuals. While chasing Ruth's record, he was constantly shadowed by bodyguards, his family as well, after they received death threats. He was quoted as saying, If I was white, all America would be proud of me, but I am black. There were times during the chase when I was so angry and so tired and sick of it all that I wished I could get on a plane and not get off until I was somewhere that they had never heard of Babe Ruth. But damn it all, I had to break that record. I had to do it for Jackie and my people and myself and for everyone who ever called me the N-word. Speaking of Jackie Robinson, in March 1948, a year after Jackie Robinson broke the modern major league color barrier with the Brooklyn Dodgers, he was in Mobile for a spring training game. A young Henry Aaron was in the crowd. He was there to listen to Jackie talk about all the possibilities that black people would begin to receive in the future. Jackie told them to study hard, get an education. But Hank, he wasn't interested in studies. Actually, the funny part of the story is that he actually skipped class to go listen to Mr. Robinson speak. He envisioned himself becoming a professional baseball player just like Mr. Robinson to escape the segregation, to escape the hate. He was even quoted as saying, Jackie Robinson gave us our dreams. During those teenage years, Hank Aaron played along grown men for the semi-pro Mobile Black Bears, which, by the way, if you ever looked at the players that they produced, woo-wee, that is some talent there. Satchel Paige, Billy Williams, Willie McCovey, all Hall of Famers, that's some craziness right there. He was then signed by the Indianapolis Clowns of the Negro League in 1952. They were a barnstorming team that combined entertainment with baseball, similar to the Harlem Globetrotters in basketball. After beginning that season with the Clowns, he was spotted by the Braves and signed in June of 1952. They assigned him to the Northern League, 
where he became the Rookie of the Year in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. He was promoted in 53 to play second base for the Jacksonville, Florida team, which was a Class A team in the South Atlantic League, or colloquially known as the Sally League. And he was one of the circuit's first five black players. Now, during this time, imagine he is down at Class A in Jacksonville. This is minor league. He's not in the majors yet. He's not chasing Babe Ruth's record. He's not known in the mainstream. And yet still, fans hurled rocks. They mocked black players by wearing mops on their head and throwing black cats onto the field. Disgusting acts. The players knew to ignore the hate, with even the Jacksonville mayor telling Hank Aaron that he should suffer quietly when he heard the racist shouts. This was far away from before the death threats and kidnapping plots of his family and before the armed guards. But he always felt that once he put on the uniform and got on the field, he could separate the two, baseball from racism and hate. But as Aaron explained, off the field, the players couldn't help but feel the weight of what they were doing. Felix Mantilla, an infielder from Puerto Rico, who played with Aaron in Jacksonville and later in Milwaukee, told Howard Bryant in his book, The Last Hero, A Life of Henry Aaron, that the whites used to yell from the stands and call us alligator bait. Jacksonville wasn't so bad, but places like Columbus and Macon, those places were wicked. Now, think about this for a second. He said Jacksonville wasn't that bad, even though they were being called alligator bait. He said Columbus and Macon were more wicked. I can't even imagine what they were saying. Racism is unacceptable. It is a taught trait that is handed down by generations of parents who were taught that themselves. Racism is not something that we are born with. And yet, still today, we are dealing with racism and hate everywhere around the world. Not just in America, although in the past decade, racism has reared its ugly head more and more over time as people feel more emboldened to speak their mind about how they feel about people of other races because they think they can get away with it. Sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. I guess it depends on the situation and who you're talking to. Racism is just unacceptable. I don't see how you could ever hate another person based on the color of their skin. I love everyone. I am a people person. I have friends of all colors, ethnicities, races, and I love it that way. I couldn't envision any other life of one group of monolithic friends that don't bring any sort of diversity to my life, where you can grow and expand and learn. And that's what life is all about, is about self-improvement, self-growth over time until you complete the mission that you were sent here to complete. And that is what Hank Aaron did. In the face of adversity and massive hate, 
he completed his mission. He uplifted the black community, he changed the world, and he proved that hate could be overcome. Even back in Jacksonville, he was voted the most valuable player while putting up with all that hate. Or with the Braves, when the black teammates were barred from staying in the same hotels as their white teammates in spring training. But none of this could stop hammering Hank Aaron. He played 23 years from 1954 to 1976, all for the small market Braves, first in Milwaukee and then in Atlanta. And he was one of the last five legends to play in the Negro Leagues. Speaking of the Negro Leagues, a few weeks ago, Major League Baseball finally recognized the accomplishments of the Negro League players as a part of Major League Baseball history. On ESPN's Around the Horn, Tony Reale had an impassioned speech about the Negro Leagues, but he also had a fun fact about Aaron that I never knew. He said that initially, Aaron hit cross-handed. Now, if you've ever played baseball or softball or any bat-wielding sport, I assume cricket applies here as well, then you know how impossible it is to hit with your hands in the wrong position. But not only was Hank Aaron able to do it, he was able to produce. He had these thick and powerful wrists that could get the bat through the strike zone with such force and speed that it didn't even matter that his hands were in the wrong spot. He was still able to hit home runs. The other fun fact came from Sarah Spain, who said that if you took away all 755 home runs that Hank Aaron had from his hit total, he would still have 3,000 hits. And that is just utterly amazing. There have only been 32 players inducted into the 3,000 hit club. And you could take away all his homers and he'd still be there? Wow. Just wow. The other wow came from, pardon the interruptions, Tony Kornheiser, who was describing the NL All-Star outfield of his youth, which consisted of Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, and one of my all-time favorite ball players and fellow Boricua, Roberto Clemente. That is the most amazing outfield I have ever heard of, and I would have been in heaven to watch that live. All of them in the All-Star game because of their amazing accolades and accomplishments. And on that beautiful note, that's where we'll leave this story for now. This is only part one. Hank Aaron's life was very substantial. There is a lot of content there, so this will be a two-parter. I'm going to take you into the story of how he actually broke Babe Ruth's home run record with Vin Scully on the call and Craig Sager interviewing him at home plate. It's a beautiful story that I'm sure you will enjoy. Before we go, I do want to leave you with his amazing, amazing feats of baseball glory. He never hit 50 home runs in any season, but yet was still the home run king. He had a career batting average of 305 and made 25 All-Star games. Now, you may be wondering how he did that in 23 years. Well, there were a couple years there at the end of the 50s, early 60s, that Major League Baseball was trying to help the Major League players increase their pension by instituting two Midsummer Classics per year. So if you made both All-Star teams, you made four All-Star teams in two years. 
hence the 25 in 23 years. You've got to check out the rest of these stats, though. Number one in Major League Baseball in total bases, runs batted in, and extra base hits. Number two in at-bats behind Pete Rose, and number three in hits behind Rose and Ty Cobb. Third in games, fourth in runs scored. He won the 1957 NL MVP, two-time batting champion, three-time gold glover, and those record 25 All-Star games, earning them in every season except his first and last. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1982 with 97.8%, which still blows my mind that he wasn't voted unanimous as he was nine votes short of the first unanimous choice and second only to Ty Cobb in 1936. Now, since then, Mariano Rivera in 2019 became the first player to be unanimously voted into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. And while I disagree, because I believe there were many more players before him that deserved that accolade, he was a great ball player as well. And great ball players, they're hard to come by. And it's even more difficult to come by legendary ball players that have a huge heart and are humble and down to earth. And that's what Hank Aaron was. And I want to leave you with a quote from former Commissioner Bud Selig. May he rest in peace as well. He said of Hank Aaron that he is a true Hall of Famer in every way. Besides being one of the greatest, Hank was a wonderful and dear person and a wonderful and dear friend. Not long ago, he and I were walking the streets of Washington, D.C. together and talking about how we've been the best of friends for more than 60 years. Hank responded, who would have ever thought, all those years ago, a black kid from Mobile, Alabama would break the home run record and a Jewish kid from Milwaukee would become the commissioner of baseball. Well, that does it for today, folks. I want to thank you for tuning in to this premiere episode of the Ball and Birds podcast. I sincerely hope you enjoyed yourself, and I hope that you'll continue to join me going forward, as I appreciate all of your support. Also, subscribe and follow to stay updated and download all the new episodes. Be on the lookout for part two of the Ball and Buds podcast on the life and career of Hammerin' Hank Aaron. Until then, be safe, take care of yourself, be kind to each other, and spread love the Omar way. Holla! Five thousand.